Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster here for a weekend update for the week ending June 18, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Pretty good down day on Friday. Now, right out of the chute, obviously we have two things on the docket. One is, is this the beginning of the correction? Is the top in? Or the second thing is, is this another fake-out operation? We're going to be the umpire. We're going to look at both sides of the tape. We will compile the evidence. We will put the puzzle pieces on the table. We will come out with the most likely scenario going forward. We're looking at the daily chart. What's jumping off the page? The first thing on the docket is getting below immediately on the open and then staying below all day and closing on the lows, but they stayed below the 50-period moving average. That's significant from a money manager slash investor slash psychological standpoint. Why is that? Should we look back on the chart to see how many times the SPY broke below the 50-period moving average? And then what happened after the fact? So you can see here they were staying above the 50-period moving average for a long time. You can see that the last time they got below the 50-period moving average was around October of 2020. They were also below it the month before in September. They were above it ever since the crash from the coronavirus crash, which was back in the early part of 2020. We're not saying the 50-period moving average is an end-all, be-all. We're saying it's something important, and we have to discuss it. It's of note, it's a puzzle piece, and it's on the table. It's one item that needs to be recognized. Another item that needs to be recognized is a potential failure to break out. So the market made a high, it sold off. It rallied back to re-challenge those highs, and it broke out by just a little bit up here. It's not really a breakout. They tried to break out, and now we see it's a failure. That's item number two. Below the 50-period moving average, and we have, technically speaking, a failed breakout. Where is the support underneath current price? Very simply, there's a gap around 411. I think the exact number here is 410.86. And in the event we get a Monday debacle, there's another number down below. 406.95 was what the calculator spit out. We'll call it 407, give or take. Staying on the daily chart, we have to flip it around. We have to be the umpire, call some balls and strikes, and take a look at the other side. What is the other side? Why would there be a rescue operation? Well, there could be, would be a rescue operation if, in fact, a lot of the activity found not only on Friday, but primarily on Friday, but also all week long was due to quadruple witching options expiration week. Now, we don't know that to be the case, and we don't know that was even a factor at all. But what we do know is that weird stuff happens around times where weird stuff happens. So when you take a look at Friday, the culmination of quadruple witching options expiration, you have a lot of rebalancing going on. And you take a look at the last 15 minutes of the day, and you'll note that a little more than 20 S&P handles were gobbled up to the south side in the last 15-minute candle. Doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to rally them on Monday. Doesn't mean they're going to fall through the trap door. I'm just stating information. We're looking at the chart. We're going around the horn. We're picking stuff out that makes sense to discuss. We're doing 
the analysis. Now here's an hourly chart, so I want to bring something else up. So we have on one side of the equation, they're below the 50 period moving average, and other things on the daily chart don't look so great, failed breakout, all that stuff. We have the possibility that it was just shenanigans on quadruple witching. That's an awareness. We don't know it is. We don't know it isn't, but that's an awareness. We have to put it on the table. But here's the other side of that. So I want to take a look at the entire day's activity, and we're going to say the majority of the day we spent down in this range. They tried a couple of times to rally the market back above that 50-period moving average, but they couldn't really do it. They stayed below it all day, which leads you to, or leads me to believe, something like this. I'm looking at the tape, I look at the chart, and I'm saying they can't get above the 50, they won't get above the 50, there's a cap by the 50-period moving average. Maybe this is the one, maybe this is the day. They didn't even give you a hint that there was any shenanigans in the air. They just stayed down there all day, they made a bearish pattern, even after a third hour reversal candle, still made a bearish pattern at the end of the day, staying down there all day, and then gave up the ghost into the end of the day, finishing on the lows. If we just extract quadruple witching options expiration from the equation, we would say that's a negative close, and we have no choice but to entertain the fact that maybe the top is in this time. We don't know. I tried to pick out the time frames where the top would come in ahead of time. So I tried once, didn't work. Tried twice, didn't work. We're not going to try a third time. Three strikes and you're out. That's the way the game works. So what we were doing is we were waiting for signs and signal of a trend change. Now, we didn't get a garden variety, picture-perfect reversal day, high volume with a tail candle, intraday reversal, gap and crap. We didn't get some of the regular garden variety reversal signals, but what we did get was volume number one, and again, we have to be aware that some of the volume, a lot of the volume, can be attributed to end-of-the-day rebalancing on quadruple witching options expiration. So again, we have to take some of this stuff with a grain of salt, but just looking at the chart, taking it at face value, we had volume. So that's ingredient number one. They stayed below, and by the way, gapping below the 50-period moving average, I think, is an important thing. So that's another puzzle piece for me. It's also on the table. Gap below it, can't really get above it, give up the ghost at the end of the day. It's a very, very negative or ominous sign. And you have to consider the fact, or at least I am, that I was looking for a top in 2021. So I'm on the look at, obviously I got a pie in the face a couple of times from an analysis perspective. And if I was a trader and said to myself, hey, I think they're coming down a lot at some point. Wherever that top either was or will come in, I want to be a participant. So at the point in time which it looks like they may be rolling over, where's that number that you can say, well, I can trade against this, and if they start getting above this number, well, then it may be wrong again, but as long as they stay below this number on daily closes, I'm going to stay short the market because this may be the one. So how do you play that, or where is that number? Well, there's actually two numbers, and I'm going to explain why there's two numbers in this particular case. Number number one is the highs. You can trade against or be short against the highs. If they make a new high on a daily close, then it's likely wrong and you have to reevaluate. They're trying to push higher. 
That's garden variety trading 101. But is there another number closer than the highs? You know, the high is 425 and change, almost 425.50. Is there a number somewhere closer by? That's about 100 handles or so away. What's the next number down that would give me solace that as long as the market stayed below it, it's going to go down further? 419 would be that number. Now, by the way, I've discussed this type of thing before, but since it's a weekend video, have some extra time on our hands, may as well discuss some other things. Let's just say, in the hypothetical world, that a top is in and the market's going to go down a lot. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is volatility is going to expand. When volatility expands, we're going to get wide swings in both directions. Market could be down 120 S&P handles one day, it can be up 145 the next day. When it's up 145 the next day, the market will look like everything's fine. It will look like a rescue operation. What they do is they suck people back in that might have sold the other day, the last day it was down. They whipsaw the market back and forth. Your job is to do a couple of things. A, ignore the media. I know it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard concept to wrap your head around, but you'll be better off in the end if you ignore the media. They're generally speaking two or three steps behind real time. The other thing is have an awareness in the back of your mind that what the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew's job is to make traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. Therefore, they will make the market look like everything's fine multiple times. If you keep a concept in your mind, and this is only if a top is in, we don't know yet for sure, we suspect one maybe, so we have to be prepared. So if a top is in, you have to maintain this thought process. It will be a sell the rip market rather than a buy the dip market. So let's do some real-time drawing on that topic. So for example, the market goes up. Market goes up, it pulls back. It leaves a gap, it pulls up, it comes back to fill the gap and then it goes up again, and it comes back to check in in a former breakout area, and it goes up again, and it does this over and over and over again, but the trend remains up. So what it's doing is it's coming back for two things, maybe more, but in my world, it's coming back for two things. A, to check in at a former breakout area, and B, to fill gaps. Okay, now let's flip it around on its head. What happens when the market's going down? The same thing, it's not doing anything different. It goes down, it goes up. It's gonna fill an open gap here and then go down again. It's gonna check in at a former breakdown area. It'll go up, it'll check in, and then it'll break down again. It's gonna do the opposite of what it was doing on the way up in a bear market if and when we're in a corrective phase slash bear market. That was all the preparatory work. We look at the weekly chart and we have to understand a couple of things. A, was this week a reversal candle? Technically speaking, we're going to call it a weekly reversal candle. So that would be a check mark in the yes, there's a top in side of the ledger. The other thing is the trend is your friend until she dumps you. They're still above all the moving averages, still above the 20 period moving average, which is upsloping on the weekly chart, and therefore, the trend is still the dominant thing, regardless of whether or not we have a reversal candle. We had a reversal candle on average volume. 
That's not a reversal on tremendous volume. It's a reversal on average volume. That's okay. It's still, technically speaking, a reversal candle. It's a puzzle piece. We're putting it on the table. But the more dominant thing is the uptrend. That could change. Things start on a shorter time frame, and they morph onto larger time frames. You can't start on the weekly chart and go back to a 15-minute chart. It doesn't work like that. And keeping with the let's look at larger time frames theme, the monthly chart is obviously two things going on. It is a blip in terms of what's going on in June so far, but keep in mind that this chart, obviously since the crash, has gone up pretty much nonstop. All right? There were some blips along the way, but it's too far, too fast, meaning it's gone up at an angle that's just not sustainable in market terms. That doesn't mean it has to come down. It means it will come down. The challenge is, when does it start coming down? Did it start this week, or will it start at some point in the future? But it will come down, because markets don't do this forever. What about inside the numbers? We'll circle back to stocks on the move. Happy Friday. Wake up rather flat. They didn't go very far overnight. Not only was it quadruple witching options expiration, but that also means that it's ex-dividend date for the SPY or any other index that pays a quarterly dividend. Therefore, the prices were going to be or were adjusted on Friday for the SPY in equal amount. So they adjust the price down of the price of SPY down an equal portion to what was or will be paid in the dividend. And the point is, somehow, the numbers work anyway, and you're going to see that in a moment. Let's scroll up, see what else we have in terms of the early thoughts. Today's the final trading day before quadruple witching options expiration. Why bring this up? Because some, not all, of the price movement this week is artificial. The institutional players have a job to do. This week, they're doing rebalancing repositioning, and other stuff that would blow your mind. Yesterday's low comes at 419.32. Remember that 419 number we discussed before? That's not an accident or a coincidence. That general area is very important. Opening the day below means the Bears won the coin toss and they start with the ball. Remember when they missed that gap down there around 419 the day before? Guess what? That's no longer interesting support. See what happens when they come back? They blow right through it. So when they miss it initially and rally away, it's bullish for the time being. But if they come back down, that gap is not the same as it would have been before. Now we have some other numbers on the board. So let's pay attention to these because we're going to go back to the chart and see what their meaning was. 417.20 was where the 50-period moving average on the daily chart was yesterday. 416.28 is an important spot. It's trouble and opens the door to a vacuum if they're below. So check this out. We have the daily chart, 50-period moving average. That's important. We have this 416.28, and there should be a rescue operation under normal garden variety conditions down in that neck of the woods, essentially in between those two numbers. Now, here's a 15-minute chart. You see what was going on here. So that's where support was in between those numbers. That was the easy part. The second part of the equation was where was the rescue operation? So they stayed down all day long. There was no rescue operation. So Monday essentially is the last chance for a rescue operation. The more days below that 50 period moving average on the daily chart, and the more they're going to start running toward the weekly 20 period moving average and put up a challenge over there. 
Second 15-minute candle of the day, low of that candle, 416.28, there was your number. 417.20, 416.28. That was support. That's where they stayed all day long. Know thy numbers. You have to come in the morning, show up in uniform, but you have to have the goods. You have to have a plan. You have to know where the numbers are. You have to know what you would do with those numbers. You have to know the other side too. You have to know the, in this case, the resistance. What happens if they start getting to or getting over a certain area, a certain number? What's going to happen then? You have to have this all planned out before you show up for game time. These two numbers were put up on the board at zero dark 30. We're moving along. As the pre-market grew on, they started melting away and they did some of the tests of like the 50 period moving average and some other stuff before they even opened the thing for business. They were all over the place. Volatility is back, which is a trader's best friend. Remember that spot around 419 that was missed yesterday? It's important and it was support. Now it's resistance. Around 418.80 to 419 is that area. Guess what? They never even were able to get there. And you've seen this many times before. When they get below a gap, many times they run back to re-challenge to try and get back or recapture that gap. They didn't even get back there. They couldn't even get back there. Let's move along, see what else we've got. 936. 416 is still support. And below that, 415.15, give or take, as a backup. Below isn't good for anyone that would be in a long trade. So what we're saying here which was also said at 9.31, right around the opening bell, 4.16 should be support. It's early, and it comes with higher risk for a long trade, but it was support. Look at this. Here's a five-minute chart. So they come down to 4.16 all the way at like 10.35. It was support, but they hovered around it or over it for too long. 9.37, ARVL from Stocks on the Move, CURI from Stocks on the Move. We'll circle back to those later. They basically stayed down and had a chop shop formation all day long. So what I'll say is, pause the video, read the notes. You're going to see a lot of the same numbers pop up over and over and over again, like this one in terms of resistance. The bulls still need to get over 417.90 to get anything going. That wasn't the first time that was mentioned. I probably scrolled past it, but here it is. 1018, looking around the horn, just about everything is weak. Could be a trend day down if they don't recapture 417.90 soon. Let's get a visual. 417.90 is the horizontal line. High of day after the opening bell was 417.83. They couldn't even run a test. That's weakness. We're moving along. Pause the video. Read the stuff. Go back to the charts to double check the work. This is information, whether it's a quiet day or a very volatile day, that can benefit you if you're active in the market during the trading day. Stocks on the move. We're going to take a look at three out of the four charts. RDS.A, which is Royal Dutch. That didn't hit its number. The other three did. Exxon must have did it late in the day. I didn't even realize it. As suspected, Exxon missed it in the beginning of the day, rallied up, came back to hit the number late in the day. Look at this in this candle at uh, 15.15, 3.15 in the afternoon. The low was $60.52. Know thy numbers. That was the number up on the board bright and early. Unfortunately, they missed it by pennies in the first candle of the day. I wasn't watching Exxon after that happened. It was off the board. How about this one? Arrival, A-R-V-L. 1825 posted bright and early. 
The stock's getting a buzz cut at the open, closing the prior day at $20.81. Pretty healthy decline right out of the chute. What do they do? They spike the number by a few pennies, making a low of $18.20, immediately rip it back in the other direction. The high is $18.99 in minutes. Nice trade, especially on a Friday morning. Nice to put something like that in your pocket right out of the chute on Friday. C-U-R-I, here's a one-minute chart so you can see exactly what happened minute by minute. First minute, they came close and rallied away. In about the fourth or fifth minute, they finally came into the number, and then they did the deal again by going up to about 14, high of 13.91. It's an inexpensively priced stock at 13.66, so when you get... 25 cents out of it, it doesn't seem much, but it's well more than the recommended or required base hit. Then you can see they came into the second number later in the day. This one at 11 o'clock, the low is 12.85. The number up on the board is 12.85. Funny how that works. Now we're going to take a swing over by Camp IWM. So we were discussing this trend line. They got above the trend line, turn the tape bullish. Now Yesterday or the other day, they close on the trend line, and then they give up the trend line into the end of the week, in addition to both the 50 and 100 period moving average. That's not a positive development for Camp IWM. We understand options expiration. We understand rebalancing. We also understand two very high volume days, and we're going to take them at face value. We're not going to issue an excuse on why the volume is there because of options expiration. We're going to note it, we're aware of it, but we're going to take what happened at face value. High volume, big time, trend line, and moving averages given up all in one fell swoop. You have to pay attention to that. You can't brush that under the rug. When we look at the weekly chart, and we don't even need this trend line anymore, let's just look at the weekly chart and assess what happened. They kept bouncing off the 20 period moving average. We kept talking about it. We were focused on this low here, 217.67. Now they didn't close below that low this week, but they did a couple of other things. They closed below for the first time or second time, the 20 period moving average. They did it right into the end of the week. They did it on increasing volume. It's not a brush under the rug type of event. You have to look at it Take it at face value. The market's always telling you something. If, in fact, this is what it looks like at face value, the market's telling you that it's turning. If it pops back up and goes up north this following week, that's fine. We'll deal with it at the time. But this is what the market is telling us at present. What about the folks down at the transportation department? 14,607 was a number we put up on the board, I believe, Thursday. They pretty much... Hit it spot on. Doesn't mean they're done going down, just means they ran out of time for the day. Canary in the coal mine. We watch this market for a very specific reason. A, it's my second favorite market leading indicator, but B, it's really the canary in the coal mine that a lot of traders laugh at, yada, yada, yada. But how many times have we looked at this and whether it's a following day or whether it's a few days later, whatever it is, there's generally something going on in the transports that we can point back to later and say, hey, that was in fact the canary in the coal mine. Not every time, but a lot of the times. So what am I talking about this time? Well, they were making this bearish pattern under the moving averages. We looked at it day after day after day, and we said, until and unless they get back above here, guess what? 
It's going to play out down here. And if it's playing out down here, and we had divergences at the time, if it's playing out down there, what's the likely scenario? Well, your other markets are going to likely be following suit because for very long, it doesn't happen like this. The transports and IWM, for example, aren't going to go south and everything else goes up north indefinitely. It doesn't work like that. You have divergences for a day, a couple of days. You don't have divergences like this that last very long. Usually, one thing will catch up with the other. In this case, and we said that a number of times, so in this case, the stuff caught up to the downside. Acceleration in the transports from a weekly chart perspective, right into the 20-week moving average. SPY, not close yet to the 20-week moving average. Now, when you look at the market from technicals 101, would they normally get a bounce off the 20-week moving average? And the answer is yes. Maybe they spike through it in the beginning of the week and then try a recovery or rescue operation mid to late week next week. We don't know yet, but under normal garden variety conditions, they bounce off the 20-period moving average. An alternative is potentially go lower than the 20-period moving average leading into early this week and then try and rally back to run a test of the same moving average later in the week. That's another possibility. These are things we don't know will happen. These are awarenesses, things that are going to happen, not necessarily in the sequence we discuss them, but these are just typically things that happen. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? The Q people. Technically, anything wrong with this particular chart? And the answer is no, not at all. Had a 1% down day, but when you look at the Qs, nothing happened. This would put everything packaged up together on the side of the ledger that says there was more shenanigans going on late last week than most people would A, like to believe, or B, even know about. When you look at a chart like this, after looking at all the other stuff, having all the other discussions we just had, and then you look at a chart like this and say, eh, it was down 1%, not a big deal. Still well above all the moving averages, hovering around the highs. So you can't say anything negative about the cues. What do you do with that? You move along. But you have the awareness that this market isn't saying the same stuff the other markets are saying. So you have to bring back team shenanigans, awareness stuff, more awareness stuff. You've got to be aware of all the market. Then you look at the other side of the coin again when you see the XLF and you say, boy, did they give up the ghost. We had that big reversal day on Thursday, follow through on Friday, heading right for the 100 period moving average, big time volume, taking it at face value, this market turned. Beeline right for the 20 week moving average. Give or take, there's going to be support at 34.50, 34, 34 and a quarter, 34.52, something in that neighborhood. My vote, 34.22, will keep the number up on the board, see what happens. What about Smash Mouth? Pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole. So down almost 3%. So you look at the cues and you say, not so bad. You look at Smash Mouth and you say, it was more reminiscent of a woodshed day. This one, we have to watch closely. We talked about these lower highs. High, lower high, lower high. Eh, we'll see. Weekly chart says nothing wrong as long as they're above all the moving averages. Giving up the 20-week moving average, different tail altogether. We'll see what happens by the end of next week, but if they spend the majority of this week coming up 
below the 20-week moving average, the writing will likely be on the wall. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.